I wanted to start the show off today by saying thank you to you. Several years ago, when I started Game Changers, I had absolutely no clue what it would become. Today, we have thousands of listeners all over the world. I'm constantly humbled by your feedback, messages, and I just, I really appreciate you tuning in each and every week. I have a quick favor to ask. Would you be willing to help others find out about Game Changers? I've been really bad in the past about asking for podcast reviews, so today here's my ask. This is a huge favor to us. If you could just go and write a quick review with Apple Podcasts, that would be huge. It's something you need to do on your phone. I know that's kind of annoying, but you do it on your phone. It's really, really quick. It takes like 10 seconds to do. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, search for Game Changers for Government Contractors, scroll down to the ratings and reviews, and click write a review. This helps the podcast get found in search results, and it helps Apple just put it out there for us. So I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you. Thank you for being a Game Changers listener, and let's get into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors, and I'm on with my good friend Carol Bernard from Govology. He's going to be on here today talking about construction in the government contracting space. So Carol, before we hop into that, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, hey, thanks Mike. Um, well, we'll start with right now, I'm the CEO of Govology and we're an online educational platform. We've got over 130 courses on all kinds of topics from getting started to more advanced stuff. And we're really just trying to build this ecosystem with partners like yourself to really put in front of people the education that they need to succeed in this marketplace. But what would be probably relevant for this particular podcast uh, episode to know about me is that in my previous life, I was actually a buyer with the government. So I actually got my start as a supply officer in the Navy in about the year 2001. So it's like, it's crazy that I've been out this now for like yeah. 20 years. And when I got out of the Navy, I landed in Washington state for a while. And uh, I worked at a job with the local city doing construction acquisition. And then I found an opening to go back into the federal government. And so I went back to the VA and I was a contracting officer there. And I did construction acquisition at the VA. Uh, after that, I worked for the SBA for a little bit. I worked for PTAC for a little bit. So I spent the last 20 years either buying from vendors, uh, helping vendors, or being a vendor ourselves. And so today, wanted to just kind of share some of the, the tips and some of the, the challenges that construction firms might initially face when they're looking to get involved with the government contracting and, and what they need to kind of be aware of and how to really see the big picture so that they can get themselves positioned properly to do business with whatever agency they want to do business with. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a great podcast for a lot of people. And so in full disclosure, Carol does a lot of coaching for our clients as well. So if you're in the construction space and you need coaching and you come to us, I'm going to be like, hey, you need to work with Carol. <laughs> that's just bottom line. That's who you need to work with because he's such a good expert at this stuff. And then in general, I'll go back to Govology for a moment. You and I are doing the coffee and issues thing on Wednesdays in the morning. So people can go check out that at Govology com forward slash issues. I got the URL, right. right? Look at that. Yep, yep. And they can see you and I chit-chatting about all kinds of different topics that are going on in there. So a little plug for that. And then just in general, you know, one of the things I love about our relationship is you know, you're knowledgeable about some things that we aren't and vice versa. And yeah. so we're always, hey, do you know a guy that does this? Or do you right. know somebody that does that? And you've been really helpful with us in, in connecting with different people. And again, if we don't know something, it's great to have a resource. So I always say, hey, connect with people. I know Govology 
Nation is a great place to connect with you and your whole team. What's the the URL for that one? Is it govology.com forward slash nation? Is that the one? Yeah, govology.com forward slash nation. That's our private LinkedIn group. If anybody wants to jump in there, ask a question or two. So feel free to join in. Yeah. And I love forums like that where you can just hop in and you can ask questions and we're all helpful and you know you can connect with us privately and we can ask answer questions and stuff. But for for the focus of today, uh, what I want to talk about is for, let's say that either the new construction company that is trying to break into the government contracting space or the one that has kind of dabbled in it a little bit, where do they start in order to be successful in this market? That's a great question. Uh, And there's a lot of different ways you can approach this. What the common guidance is that most people are going to get out there, which is accurate. It's like, okay, you got to, if you're not in, in construction yet, if you're just getting in, you know, the first thing you're going to do is, is you're going to get set up. You know, you're going to get your SAM set up. You're going to do that initial setup to get set up as a vendor, right? So, you know, SAM.gov, we all know, most people know at least, is that that's the primary registration point for the government vendors portal. Uh, also, that is the current, what the FAR calls the GPE, the government point of entry. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about the GPE is that when you see, if you're looking for construction opportunity, so let's just say SAM is a door, you open that door and you step in and now you're like, okay, here's the opportunities that I'm seeing. And so you're watching. So typically that's the first thing that a lot of contractors are going to do. They're going to get registered. They're going to start looking at SAM for opportunities that's going to come in side of their area. But what happens here is that there's a lot of things that doesn't get seen there because a couple of reasons. So first off, that system is for open market acquisitions that are expected to exceed $25,000. So if anything's under $25,000, typically the government's not going to go to SAM. What are they going to do? They're probably going to look into a contractor's profile through SAM and look him up in the SAM database, or they'll go to their SBA profile, which by the way, if you want to look at your SBA profile, you can go to DSBS stands for Dynamic Small Business Search, dsbs.sba.gov. So under 25K, the, the contracting officers are usually just going to get three quotes from those, those contractors and they'll say, okay, give us a quote for this. But there's another big area that doesn't get seen, which is the IDIQ construction contracts. And we'll talk a little bit about those, but that's where the first thing a contractor is going to want to do is really sit down and understand how an agency actually procures construction services on a routine basis because a lot of people come into this game and they're looking at Sam, they're looking at Sam, they're watching, they're watching, they're watching, they see a few things here and there, and they're probably scratching their head going like, I know that the government probably does a lot more projects. I'm just not seeing anything. And the reason why they don't see anything is because maybe it's either below that that 25K threshold or it's inside of the, the IDIQ opportunities. And so really, I'm a big advocate of the market research piece, Mike. And as you know, we've talked before, anybody that engages me for coaching, the very first one or two sessions that we'll do is we'll sit down, we'll have a, what I call a chart your course call. So we'll go in and do some data diving together. We'll look at USA spending. We can see all kinds of cool things inside of 
that system, like where, you know, where the government's buying construction, how are they buying construction? How are they setting it aside? Um, and we'll start to develop a roadmap from there on how a contractor can not only just kind of be there watching opportunities at SAM, but start to understand where all the, these big IDIQ contracts are coming. Because typically the way that they work is that they will only come up for a recompete about once every five years. So you got a one in five year shot to get yourself at this next level where it's kind of like, it just gives you a ticket to the next level. It's almost like if you were in a football stadium, there's like, you know, the, the economy seats and then there's the yeah. boxes, you know, and the first place that the government is going to go is to the boxes to kind of look there first. So yeah. uh, we could talk more about that and I can kind of share a few acronyms that people might want to know about, but that's really the first place that a contractor is really going to want to, to start is by really understanding that market and what strategy are they going to use to get themselves positioned into an IDIQ so they can open up more opportunity flowing into their email box. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are really good points. And I, I want to cover something here for folks. You know, we do a lot of data diving in SAM.gov, but here's the thing is, you know, since the merger from beta.sam to SAM.gov, the the only way I've been able to describe it is a total dumpster fire. I mean, there's so many days where I go to log in, it doesn't work and we're having problems. It is going to get fixed. I don't know when. Uh, and so USA Spending has been my backup. I love USA Spending. I love the ease of use of USA yeah. spending and how you can just toggle things without having to rerun reports and all that kind of stuff. And I also love um, just the visuals that it has in there and the way that works. And then you can download it and run pivot tables if you really want to do that stuff. So USA yeah. spending is a great backup for uh, SAM.gov if you're having challenges with SAM.gov right now. So when I'm thinking about construction, I think about how sometimes these folks are local, so they're limited geographically. Yeah. And so that's one challenge that I I know folks have. And so you may be saying, hey, well, I'm in Wyoming. What opportunities are you know for our company in Wyoming? Can we compete on a national level? And so I know, I know that's probably a struggle that if somebody's listening today and they're new in construction, they're new to the government, how do you handle the, the distance challenge that a lot of these people have? Yeah. Well, here's one of the cool things is that if anybody knows anything about the General Services Administration, GSA schedules program, usually to be a GSA scheduled contractor, you kind of have to be able to do business all across the nation. Mm. With regards to construction opportunities, those are more regionalized. And even GSA, if you are wanting to do business with GSA as a construction contractor, you're not going to get on a GSA schedule, federal supply schedule contract. You're going to want to get on a GSA MATOC. That stands for multiple award task order contract. And that is a separate and independent contracting vehicle that each region will use to do the work in their area. A lot of the civilian agencies, since we're kind of talking acronyms here, just so folks are familiar with this, those MATOCs, uh, those are a five-year contract vehicle typically. When I was at, uh, purchasing at the VA, we also called it a MATOC, a multiple award task order contract. So the way that the MATOC works is that once every five years, a competition is going to happen. And the agency says, hey, we really want a good pool of solid contractors. So we're going to do all of the vetting up on the front end so that you 
when you see these huge contracts hit sam.gov because that's ultimately where they'll be recompeted you know it's going to look like this really huge contract maybe 99 million dollars and if for the you know uh, contractor that's not familiar with what these vehicles mean they're going to look at these things and then they're going to be like you know i can't pursue a 99 million dollar contract well here's the here's the, the the interesting part about this is that you might say you only want to do contracts from like 50 thousand to you know two million dollars or two hundred thousand to two million whatever you know you say hey i want to do these smaller projects well what people don't realize is that in order to even get those smaller contracts sent to you you have to win the 99 million dollar contract you know and it's actually not a guarantee that you're going to get money out of that 99 million dollars contract it gives you a ticket to play at a higher level so i use this analogy of an acquisition pyramid a lot in some of my presentations so if you think about a pyramid with two layers if up at this top level the agencies have their idiq five-year contracts the next layer they they have is is the open market typically they're going to go to their pool of contracts contractors that's up at the higher level before that they go to the open market. So when I was at the VA, I would estimate that 90% of the individual construction projects that we procured services for were done at the top level. So if you were just basically a contractor who's registered in SAM and you're looking at opportunity flow, you're not going to see a lot coming from an agency that does a lot of their acquisition at the higher level because that's the first place that they go. So typically, probably within about 18 months, you know, if you know what what that contract expiration date is, you're really going to want to start planning. And, and in fact, even before that, two or three years out, start to look at this thing and say, okay, we want to get in with the VA. They have this MATOC contract vehicle. It looks like it's going to come up for recompete in 2025. You know, today is 2021. We still got a lot of years. But what you want to understand about this and forecasting is also super important as a part of this because Mike, you just mentioned something with regards to geographic locations, you know, and you might even have a contractor, even though that the the Matox and the the other one that's used a lot that the military likes to use is called a, a MAC, a M-A-C-C, that stands for Multiple Award Construction Contract, kind of the same concept. A different concept is actually a single award task order contract or a SATOC where the contractors are going to just be like, they're going to be the one contractor that's going to essentially be awarded. But you want to really be able to plan ahead for these things because there's a lot of reasons why a small business might be challenged to win that $99 million MATOC or even a spot in one. So when I was at the VA, we kind of broke that down and we would award pools of contractors, like 12 for like one city, 12 in like Seattle area. And so there was these little pools of contractors that we could go to. But let's just say, if there was a, a regional MATOC where it's like they want you to perform work in Idaho, Alaska, Washington State, uh, Oregon, you know, you might be challenged to do that. And you might be challenged to actually get the bonding to be able to even bid that pro that MATOC. They might say, hey, you know, we want you to at least show us a, a letter of bonding for maybe $5 million that you can bond projects up to $5 million. But there may be some other limitations that's going to be challenging. One concept, especially in construction, that contractors need to understand is teaming. And teaming will help contractors bring in larger companies because when you can forecast and you can go to a potential teaming partner and say, hey, we're going to go after this opportunity with the VA. It's a $99 million contract. We feel like we can be very competitive uh, based upon what we know about the other 
uh, firms that who are incumbents in there right now, but we need some support. Maybe we need some some bonding support periodically. Maybe we need some uh, uh, support when the project crops up in a different geographic location. So through uh, teaming strategies, and we do have some really great training on teaming, joint ventures, and uh, and also the SBA's mentor protege program, which gives like a, a secret superpower to uh, yeah. some contractors. Uh, but we have all con- uh, training on all that stuff. But long-term perspective is the important key takeaway here, Michael, because let's just say you're looking at that and you know that you're going to need the teaming partner to, to maybe get the win. You want to have those conversations a long time before that solicitation hits the street because, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. If it's decided that there's going to be a joint venture, that's got to get set up. It's got to be a new SAM profile. If it's a, a special type of set aside, the joint venture maybe needs to get the set aside. So the message that I'd like to get out there is to not only understand how these MATOC contracts work within the agencies that you want to do business with, but give yourself plenty of time yeah. because you might find that your partner also says, well, hey, I don't want to just jump into bed with you. Right. Let's work together a little bit before we kind of, you know, even consider a joint venture. And that's another mistake I think a lot of small businesses make. They kind of, they find out about joint ventures and then they're just immediately, they're trying to get all these bigger yeah. companies to JV with them that they've never worked with before, you know, yeah. and it's just doesn't always pan out. Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly telling our clients, somebody will say, hey, I was told we should do a JV and I was, slow down, slow down. <laughs> Why do you need to do that when you could just team with them? Yeah. Te- teaming is a thing between you two companies and it doesn't even have to involve anybody else. But once you get in the JV model, it's so much more complicated and there's just no need for it a lot of times. Doesn't mean it doesn't have its uses. It's just, I don't think the first instinct should be, hey, let's do a JV for a whole new entity and then go down this path. You know, right. th- that's kind of crazy. You know, one of the things I wanted to point out there about what you were saying with these regional Matox is let's say we did want win one in Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, Alaska, Washington, whatever it is, so- somewhere in the, in that Northwest region. But you may work with a partner and say, look, I only want to do the projects that are in Wyoming and Montana. You do everything else, but together yeah. we need to go in and win this. And if, and if a task order comes in, a contract comes in and it's for Wyoming, we're going to do it. Or, hey, you know what? We're going to do X percent of that. Or, you know, have that figured out. So you don't have to go in and say, man, I don't want to do work in Alaska. Well, guess what? Your partner might. And so that might be a great, a great partnership because they want to do work there and you don't. So you can, you can figure all of that kind of stuff out. So there's really good ways to figure it out if you're just kind of open-minded. I think that's one of the keys in this space is being open-minded about how you do it. So here's a question for you. So assume that I sit down and I look through the the data that you're showing me and we determine that it's going to be a couple years before I can bid on one of these contract vehicles that I need to get on. What do I do in the meantime? Do I look at yeah. other agencies? Do I, do I look for what you and I talked about in one of our episodes, the scraps? What is your advice to that company that determines, hey, the two or three contract vehicles I need to be on aren't coming out for a couple of years, but I need revenue this year. What do I do? Yeah. If the opportunities are not flowing down for you, the only thing that you really can do is you can you can watch Sam. And, and there are often are times when there's construction opportunities that will hit Sam. So you can watch the Sam start, you know, going after some work uh, on Sam. You could also uh, start subcontracting. Uh, for example, like if you want to do business at a specific agency, like 
maybe GSA. Uh, and if you carry a specialty trade, uh, you could start subcontracting under that specialty trade. But typically, uh, Matox are going to be going out to to general uh, contractors. And but what we have seen in the past, and what's worked really well for a few companies, because they understand that, like, hey, if I really want to control my own destiny here, you know, maybe I go in and and I even though I'm an electrical company right now, uh, if I want to get a Matox, I need to be a GC. And so maybe I become a GC with a specialty trade of electrical. It really gives you the best of both worlds because you can go in now and start to work with the prime contractors and, and position yourself as an electrical contractor. But then, you know, when the time comes, if you want to go after the bigger projects, you can actually, you know, position yourself as a, as a GC. And you can yeah. also have those, uh, you know, like we were talking about earlier, have those partners behind you to support you. And I've seen uh, a few companies that was that were really successful in kind of making that transition and getting a, a, a IDIQ or a Matoc or a Mac, and they'll be able to, you know, really especially dominate when there's work inside of both their specialty trade as well as just, you know, a general construction contractor. Yeah, no, that, that's good advice. And, you know, one of the things that I've told clients recently, because it, it's very interesting watching the labor market right now and everything going on, and I think we're still going to have some challenges for a while. I don't think this is just going to, you know, snap our fingers and be over with. And so, you know, we're recording this towards the end of 2021. Will it go on through 2023, 24? I don't know how long it's going to be. Uh, you know, we've been predicting labor shortages in certain segments of work for a decade now. Yeah. And so, and now we're seeing, hey, this is coming true. And some of it's coming true like 10 years late, right? But we've been seeing these shortages. And so one of the things that I've been telling people is if you have either access to a network of people or one of your skills is being able to do the hiring. So basically you can source bodies. So if you can source bodies for a contract, you are extremely valuable right now. Yeah. So if somebody has won a contract and it's not you, you can approach them and say, look, I can fill those electrician jobs. I can fill those whatevers, you know, what whatever the role is, we have a niche in supplying the workforce for this. And I think if, if you are in a business and you have that skill right now, I think you're a hot commodity. So don't count yourself out as, well, we didn't win it. We don't know anybody. If you can source the, the labor, you can go and really help some people and, and grow your business right now. So um, as we wrap up today, any like final points on, hey, here are the two or three things that I want to caution you against. Here are the two or three things that I think will, will make you successful in the construction market. Any any final thoughts on that? My final thought would be really by one, if I was to say one thing, you know, do your homework. You know, if you need some help, <laughs> we can definitely help you out with that. But the, the second thing is, is that once you identify that like, there's this agency I want to do business with. And maybe inside of that homework, we see that, hey, the contract's set for 2025 expiration. Plan backwards, probably 18 months to two years. The, the agency is going to be starting to think about getting new contract holders in place before that old contract expires. Mm -hmm. So they have continuity. But here's the thing, man. You know, I was at the VA the last time there was an infrastructure bill and it went bonkers over there, man. And we had a five-year IDIQ contract that we literally had to terminate at the two and a half year mark because we were pushing so much work through that IDIQ vehicle. Contractors were we're not bidding it. They were like, I'm mm. tapped out. So the, the lesson there is even if you see that, hey, this is potentially going to expire in 25, start working now to get set up because guess what? We've got another pending infrastructure bill that's like 10 times, you know, 
potentially larger yeah, than huge. the one back in 2009. Everybody's going to be scrambling. All of these Matox, my prediction, if I was to make one, all of these Matox are going to probably be competed early because those contractors are going to be tapped out, you know, and the yeah. agencies are going to have to get new pulls of contractors in. So I think we're going to see a lot of opportunity for people in the next five years to get involved with this marketplace. And if they can understand how to navigate it, they can have the best years of their lives, literally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'll say this, as, as soon as we get an infrastructure bill that's passed. I think you and I will hop on and dissect that and go through it, whether we have to take an hour to do it or, or whatever it is. I'd love for us to go ahead and do that and just point out a lot of the things because I, I think your background and what you just said is really powerful. People can hear your expectations. Obviously, it's not guarantees, but your expectations yeah. of that. So once this infrastructure bill comes out, I'll make it a special episode. You and I will hop on. We'll go through that thing and really dissect it for people. And I think that'll be awesome. Awesome. The uh, the final thing that I'll say is you're right. I, I think if you are looking at this industry right now is the time to get in because whether the infrastructure bill passes in two weeks, two yeah. months, two years, something is going to happen over the next year or two. I see that happening. We just don't know the size of it. Will it be a trillion dollars? Will it be three trillion? <laughs> we, we don't really know what will happen. Something is going to happen. We know that. And I think between now and when that happens, as well as between now and and when these Matox get recompeted or any other contract vehicles get competed, the most important thing for a lot of these folks is to learn the market, learn your client, try to get even a little past performance so you understand the process and set yourself up for success when those things come out. Because once they come out, I do believe it's going to be like Niagara Falls. It's going to be this oh, yeah. monster flood. And if that's your first experience, I think you're going to drown. <laughs> I, that's what I think is going to happen. Well, so. here's the other thing that's going to happen because in that same year, right as I switched off from like where it was going bonkers and I started working with the SBA. Well, of course, everybody's seeing this money coming in and everybody's wanting to get involved, you know, because they're hearing about it from other mm -hmm. contractors, but a little bit too little too late, you know, right. because everybody else was like building their ark for the flood, you know, <laughs> and they were in it yeah. when the waters lifted where everybody else is like, oh, let me build an ark, you know, and yeah. like, it's just like you want to be positioned ahead of this wave, yeah. you know, and this, that's why I really stress the importance of, of not waiting, get started today to kind of position yourself. I've been saying that for 10 years, Mike. And, yeah. uh, you know, here it is coming. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah. You know, final point on that, that I see is once it makes it to the media and it's a big deal. And once you start yeah. hearing your friends and other people talk about the money in a way, it's too late. It really is. It's too late because now it's out there. Now it's rocking and rolling a hundred miles an hour. It's too late to get the bulk of it. And it doesn't mean you're going to miss out totally, but yeah. that's why we're talking about get prepared now, get some past performance, get some experience, understand the market, and then you will be ready to ride that wave, whatever it looks like. And so I, I can't stress that yeah. enough. So, hey man, thanks for coming on and talking about all this today. Yeah, I, I think this Always is going to be, pleasure. this is going to be such a big boom in the market. And so yeah. uh, I'm really excited to see what happens in construction over the next couple of years. So thanks again for coming and talking about it. Hey man, my pleasure. Always happy to be here, man. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.